Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. It means like AAU, really, except for the quarantine part, but it's been like AAU. I've been just for relaxing, you know, studying film and just making sure I can try and eat as good as eat as well as I possibly can as far as, you know, nutrition, because, you know, there's temptation to have snacks for sure. That's Donovan Mitchell talking about life in the bubble. He is one of several players who have referenced this is like AAU days. Going somewhere for a tournament, being in a hotel for a long time. Seeing all the guys because everybody's together in one or two hotels. So they've been through this before, PK. Feels like now they haven't they haven't gone to an AAU tournament for 60 or 90 days. Some of them could be signed up for that, but they're not feeling that yet. They're just they're in week one right now. Yes, they are. Lakers guard guard Rajon Rondo suffered a fractured right thumb during the team's practice. He's out. Six to eight weeks. You do the math on that, PK. That's into the playoffs, probably into the second round. He'd be back for a, a conference final if that math is right. He might be back for the second round. But that's uh, that's a pretty big injury for a team that's already missing Avery Bradley. You start missing players that have similar skill sets. You can survive one. Can you survive two? You're the Lakers. You're really good. You know, if you got LeBron and Anthony Davis, you can probably ride through the first, maybe the second round anyway. But... A little bit of a, a warning shot across the bow as, as stuff starts to pile up. Uh, the, uh, this is being a little bit. I don't think the Lakers' fate was going to rise or fall on a Rajon Rondo. A new entry protocol finalized. NBA players will be in uniform and warm-ups when they arrive. This is part of the AAU feel, getting dressed in your room now. But, hey, that's less time in a group, right? So I suppose that's, uh, that's safer. Miss that locker room, though. Hanging out in the locker room, changing, talking to the guys. Be in your room now. Okay. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. What's top of mind as you try to win a second Super Bowl? Well, I think top of mind is that we're going to have a season. I think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of things uh, yet to be figured out. We're hopeful. It's with fans, and we can get all the testing procedures down the way they want it to for, for the utmost amount of safety. I think we're kind of just waiting uh, for the league and the PA to, to figure some things out. That is Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers right there has his doubts on what things are going to look like going forward, and he's not alone, PK. I don't think he said he had his doubts. He just said he wanted to know what it was. Did he say he had his doubts that things weren't well, going to go forward? He doesn't know what it is going forward. That's not doubt. Well, it's not knowing it for sure. I guess we have different perspectives. New England Patriots have settled compensation grievances with Antonio Brown and Aaron Hernandez over the past week. Frees up $7 million for them under the salary cap. Brown's going to get $5 million instead of $9 million he'd be owed. How will they spend that money? The Patriots weren't looking very good. They got Cam Newton, and they got a little extra money because obviously they had other losses on that team than Tom Brady. Kyle Van Oy would be the name that resonates with us here, but they have other losses on defense. So maybe there is another division title for them. Maybe there is another 10-win season out there, out there for them. What are they going to spend this money on? How do you settle a grievance with a dead man? 
I assume they settled it with his estate. There's a lawyer handling all the money that will go off to his relatives. Just a few minutes ago, the Washington Redskins made it official. They are jettisoning the nickname Redskins. They have not announced what the new name will be. Yak says that there's a lot of... Uh, he just read a story just right at the end of the break there. He's telling me Red Hawks, Red Foxes. There's a lot of possibilities Warriors, out there. which Snyder already has a trademark on. What's top of mind as you try to win a second Super Bowl? Well, I think top of mind. That sounds vaguely familiar. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. High to very high. I look at the numbers every day, and the important issue is not just numbers. It is trying to understand and comprehend, and that's where literally you want experts moving you away from the scroll or the titles at the bottom of a TV screen or the interviews of this expert or that and find people. And we put a medical advisory group together in early April with the question of what do we have to do to get back to activity? And they've been a big part of the conversation. But the direct reality is not good. That's Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner right there, trying to figure out how to start a football season and what it'll look like. And he says his concern that there's no season is high to very high. Think they're going to pull it together, PK? I know you talk to people at BYU who are filling, ready to fill holes on their schedule. They lost some games, obviously, to the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. And they're looking towards the Big 12 and the SEC because the Big 12 and the SEC also lost games to the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. I think football will be played sometime during the 2021 academic calendar year. The Athletic is reporting that some high-end players are thinking about skipping the season. Uh, They are looking at – and the question is how many – and all the agents are talking to, uh, are, are talking without their names, you know, anonymously to the athletic. We're uh, talking about the high end kids. They're going to bail. I mean, I'm recruiting some high end kids, an agent says. I talked to probably four of them last night, and they all look at the same thing like, they're done. This is over. Kids could be signed in, in 60 days, which is actually going to cost the agents money because the agency agents usually start paying living expenses uh, when they sign them in January. And now they're going to be paying living expenses starting in July and August. So you don't want to miss out on the top kids, but you don't really want to pay the living expenses either. Well, that'll be interesting to see how that is because they make you play three years before you're eligible for the draft. So in July and August, you for those guys like a Trevor Lawrence, he hasn't played his three years. So how will that work? I think it's three years from the high school graduation. You know, if you play two and you redshirt one, you're eligible. So, That's true. So I Trevor would, Lawrence hasn't. No. But this would essentially be redshirting a year. I mean, I there's think no, he'd be eligible. I, I don't think there's very many high-end players who redshirt. This story has uh, multiple opinions in it, and one of them is that it'll only be 10 to 20 guys who are the early first-rounders who will pull this off. There are other people who think it'll be more than that. I just don't think the third-rounders often... Cody Barton was a third-rounder. Well, I don't think Cody Barton knew he was a third-rounder when the season started, so... Well, it's always just the elite in this case. It's like that G League team that players are going to go and play. Well, it's just a handful. Now... 
the handful for those uh, in f- college football could make a significant difference at the highest levels for 95% of the teams. I don't see where it's going to matter that much. Uh, but uh, you lose some top end players from Ohio State. And they, they would lose. And then, they would lose Justin Fields as a speculation in this, and Oregon yeah. would lose Penny Sewell, a guy we we talk about because of his ties to this area. Penny, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean it's obvious who the who yeah. the guys are. National Junior College Athletic Association expected to approve a proposal that would move its football season to the spring. Uh, there'll be a meeting today to make it official, but there's 54 football-playing schools out of the 512 schools. Snow College, one of those schools that could be impacted. Uh, will they move football? Will they move all fall sports? Uh, will they move the start of the winter season? I would think they would do as little as possible now and kick the can down the road on the other decisions, but we'll see what they decide uh, later today. But Snow College football may be delayed. A Pac-12 commissioner, Larry Scott, has tested positive for the coronavirus and is self-quarantining. And working from home. Yes, working from home and trying to figure out what their TV deals and their schedules are going to look like going forward. Ten games, five home, five away. Any idea when they might start, PK? They got uh, anything you've heard on that? Right now, the schedule says September 26th. They obviously bought themselves a time, but the non-conference game's canceled now. Yeah, that's that would be the earliest, and it, I, I can't forecast what the health situation is going to be like in next month, let alone two months from now, but that, that would be the earliest. But that's the whole idea of going to the individual conferences, which I told you two days before fill-in-the-blank reported. Wednesday. Uh, Everybody else <laughs> reported it on Friday. You said it on the show on Wednesday. And you can go back to 1280thezone.com and listen if you don't believe us. There it was. <laughs> And it gives them the flexibility, basically, to do whatever they want. So if it's the 26th of September, great. If it needs to be fill in the blank, whatever Saturdays uh, the dates would fall beyond that, they can do that too. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The Twins were born prematurely. Um, thank God they are doing really well. Um, but they're going to have to be in the NICU for quite some time. And after much discussion with my wife and doctors, and a decision that I've wrestled with quite a bit um, since I knew that this adoption was on the table, um, I've decided to opt out of the 2020 baseball season. We feel this is the best decision for these babies and for our family as well. That is Buster Posey of the San Francisco Giants right there saying he's not going to play in the upcoming 60-game season, which is now just a, a couple of weeks away, almost here. Yeah, I mean, he has sound reasoning. Uh, He's fortunate enough financially that he can do that. I mean, don't forget, these guys who are opting out, that just means that they got a boatload of money and they don't need the money. And that's not to discount the other reasons that are as just or if not in many cases more important. But nevertheless, they have the financial wherewithal to say, I don't need this. And Buster Posey is certainly one of those guys he is having an awesome career, but he'll take this year off. The Giants, uh, not really forecast to do much. Supposed to have a losing season, but you know, in 60 games, I guess you never know who's going to get hot and surprise you. Not the Giants. <laughs> not the Giants. There's just no way for them to well, pull Well, no, out. they're in the throes of a rebuilding. Yeah. I mean, they've got a new manager, and they've got to reload. They had a phenomenal decade, and now it's time to reload. It, it happens. Three championships in five years. It was a really good run, and he was a big part of that. 
Oh, see, yeah, he was a major part of that. Yeah, because he played and they won, and then he missed most of a year, and they didn't win, and then he was healthy and he was back, then they won again. Which I don't know what his statistics will be, but his impact on winning would dictate that he's a Hall of Famer. Dodgers all-star closer Kenley Jansen said he has recovered from contracting COVID-19. He says he believes he caught the disease from his four-year-old son who had tested positive. He says he uh, had it three weeks ago, but he says he began feeling better by the fourth day. So a good story there. And Kenley Jansen getting ready to go for the Dodgers. Atlanta Braves sent an email to season ticket holders Sunday. They will not be changing their nickname, but we'll take a further look at the future of the Tomahawk Chop. We've all seen that during the playoffs, PK. We'll, we'll see if they try to ban that in their ballpark. What are they, they going to do, arrest people? Are they going to eject people? How would that work? Uh, take away their tickets, I guess. I don't know that they're going to arrest them. Uh, but they say they will always be the Atlanta Braves. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. RSL beat Colorado. Got a couple of goals. Shut out the Rapids. Win the opening match of the MLS's back tournament. Had a chance to score a third or fourth goal and really blow it wide open. But Albert Rusnak, who had a goal and assist, also had a penalty saved. Corey Baird could have, would have, should have scored five or six minutes in, but hit the crossbar. But Colorado really didn't have a good chance until stoppage time right at the end of the match. And that got saved. And RSL gets the victory. They'll be back at it against Minnesota on Friday. And the Rapids had looked, I mean, who knows after the restart, but they had looked good at the start of the season and their new coach, Robin Frazier, had won their first two after finishing last year strong. But RSL pretty much controlling that game. Royals gave up a late goal and lost to the Red Stars. Now head into the quarterfinals now of the NWSL tournament. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up this morning, Matt Brown's going to join us. He writes for the intercollegiate.com, an extra points newsletter. He lives in Chicago in Big Ten country. We'll talk with him about the ever-changing college football landscape. And Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com and the podcast of Champions will join us. Friday, we had on Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan, and he was talking about the situation in L.A. right now and how it's hard for them to do anything under the current circumstances. Who knows how much that'll change in two or four or six weeks, but we can talk with Ryan Abraham about that and about SC losing Alabama and Notre Dame. Ryan Abraham's going to be here at 8.30. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Bowler is such a classic rock guy. Been to a Doobie Brothers concert with Bowler. And you, for that matter. And PK. And afterward, this woman comes running over to get PK's autograph. And Bowler and I are standing there looking at each other like and PK is just beaming. Basically, your point of this story was how could somebody possibly recognize PK oh, and not, not recognize you and Bowler? Oh, that's not true, and man. Bowler and I are standing right there in shock. I said we were looking at each other. And thinking... PK's a star. That's uh, not. No. Why wouldn't I it's think why that? Why are you talking to this guy when the great Gordon Monson is standing right here? I'm Gordon Monson. The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction guaranteed. Master Electrical will light up your day. All right, PK, you want to take a victory lap? You should take a victory lap. Wednesday, you called it. You called it. I'd be in the best shape of my life if I took a victory lap every time I had a story before everybody else. Well, what's wrong with being in the best shape of your life? (laughs) You'd be looking good and feeling good and telling people how it's going to be. I already am. I already do. Sometimes I I don't know where you're, you know, where or who or what your sources might be. This time, I, you know, I think I had an idea. And if I'm right, then you're just rock solid. And, of course, it turned out you were rock solid. His name was Larry. <laughs> Larry? <laughs> Larry the Laker? No, Larry Scott. <laughs> really? You hanging out with Larry Scott on Wednesday? Just texting him back Well, I own some property in hey, San Lair. Francisco that he pays rent for. Hey, he pays rent for. <laughs> hey, I'll knock a little off the old rent check if you give me some news. Yeah, you know, he has some offices that uh, I lease to him. Oh, man, you're killing me. (laughs) Plus, I I think it was obvious, too. Because? Uh, Because the conferences need their own individual flexibility to do as they see fit. The last two stories that I've told you, Scali getting, uh, keep his job, but seeing a reduction in pay... I think that was obvious, too. And I think this one was obvious. I think that's the way they were going to go. So even if I didn't have folks telling me on both ends... You could have guessed it. Yes. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Right now, would you guess that they have a 10-game yes. season? Or yes. do you think six yes. or eight are in play? Because that's, that's been thrown out there. And then we got the anonymous, and we don't know who it is, but anonymous power 5 AD saying, like, we're just delaying the inevitable. Uh, well, they could. Del- the inevitable could. I don't think it's inevitable, but it could become inevitable. I think, this is just me thinking now, no one has told me this, that they're going to shoot for a 10-game season, but things could change. So we things have changed dramatically as it is now anyway. So the plan, I think you, there's no problem with having a plan. You look at the MLS, right? They've got a plan. Now they had to re, uh, cancel a game or postpone a game, mm-hmm. and they're going to reschedule it, right? Yeah, they're playing because, it this morning, actually. Yeah, okay. All right, fine. They had to do what they did. They continued to play. Other teams played. I watched the game last night until the second goal was around 10 o'clock, and then I went to bed. So I didn't see your uh, shot off the crossbar and continuage time because I was sleeping because uh, I thought they weren't going to two-zip two covered it. But they continued it, right? So they've got a plan. Well, they're going to have to make maybe, possibly, likely alterations to the plan as they go. And I think that's what we're seeing here. Who knows what changes, and maybe they have to scrape it completely. I don't know. Scrap it completely. I don't know. But I think that that's what they're going to try to do. And, I, you know, I'd heard some stuff, but I wouldn't say, you know, I'm reporting it by any stretch. But the idea, and you brought it up, you brought it up independent of me even telling you that it would be if you had the 10-game conference season, five home, five away, well, then it would be something that uh, everybody could deal with because, you know, you're trying to distribute the money 
as much as evenly as possible. And the way it's set up, obviously, with conference in the, with playing nine games, every year you have four home games, five road games, and then you flip the following year, you have five home games, four road games, and it just rotates. So that's the way they do it. Well, obviously, with the non-conference, you're losing home games, so they would try to give those teams that only have four a fifth game. Time to talk college football right now with Matt Brown. He writes for the intercollegiate.com, Extra Points newsletter, lives in Chicago in Big Ten country, and he joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Matt, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on today. Thanks for coming on. Did you find this news of the first couple leagues uh, going to a conference-only season surprising? Do you think they would hold off on it for a while? Did you think it would come to this? How, how, how big a breaking news was this to you? Yeah, I, I, I thought this was definitely in the works. I've heard a couple whispers that the Big Ten was considering this here for a while, but the timing definitely caught me off guard. There, there were certainly some administrators who thought that all of the, the power conferences were going to make some kind of unified decision. Uh, it made more sense for some more FCS leagues to announce that they were going to either postpone or cancel football, and I expect that to happen this week. So the timing was a little bit surprising, but the fact that schools would decide to do this, um, that makes sense to me. Mark Harlan came out on Twitter, University of Utah Athletic Director, and somebody asked him about uh, the BYU series. So, and obviously that uh, looking with the Pac-12 only playing conference games this year, that they wouldn't play that game. So somebody asked him for for next season, would Utah get the home game as far as that goes? Because the last game was played in Provo, and Harlan's response was, well, actually they would just continue it as it is, so BYU next year would get a home game. Uh, do you know as far as the Big 12? Because there's a number of Big 10, I mean, there's a number of conference or uh, out-of-conference games that they all have, obviously, that they have contracts with. And so yep. it's not just uh, one game, it's multiple games. Do you think that they would have the same idea? So next season, if Michigan State played whomever and the game was not scheduled to be in East Lansing, they would continue the schedule as is next year, or they make alterations to it? Um, this is going to vary for every single school. It's going to depend on their legal department. It's going to depend on some of their own institutional financial needs. I think for some of these Big Ten schools and their partnerships with BYU or some of these Pac-12 schools, it's going to be a lot harder to just roll it over next year like BYU and Utah can. They're playing just about every year. You have a really deep relationship with – uh, the two athletic staffers there, and you have state legislative um, pressure to continue playing that game, um, where that isn't really the case with, say, Michigan State BYU. So one of the really challenging things that these athletic departments are going to have to navigate the next couple of weeks beyond trying to figure out, okay, what, is my, what does my 2021-2022 schedule look like? Um, it's also going to be, what are my legal obligations to all of these teams that I just canceled with? Because you're right, uh, they, there's a lot of contract language in there. There are, there's usually some kind of buyout fee that might have to be uh, handled. And the Big Ten schools, even though they're, they're pretty wealthy, um, with the exception of Rutgers right now, nobody wants to pay that full fee. Um, and so there's going to be a lot, a lot of negotiation, whether that means just well, rolling those games over to next year, rolling them over a little bit farther along, giving somebody an extra home game, anything to avoid having to pay a million three, million four cash fee right up front. Um, but in terms of any kind of standard standardized response, like I wouldn't look for that. It's going to vary a ton by school. 
So do you think these other three Power Five leagues are going to hold on to their schedules, or do you think they're going to go conference only as well? I think everybody's going to go conference only. And to be completely, to be completely honest with you, I think everyone's going to go conference only as, as a step towards eventually canceling or postponing this football season. The, the, the medical data, particularly in Big 12 and SEC country right now, has a lagging effect. So if things look bad now, they're almost assuredly going to continue to look bad in two weeks. Um, and a lot of the, the, the factors that have to go into place here with student safety and, not, and for academic safety, coach safety, uh, staffer safety, the people who are sanitizing these fields, we're not really any closer to getting good answers there than we were back in May. And so this is, this is a, a kind of Hail Mary desperation step to try and salvage football rather than anything that I, I think should give people particular confidence. So I know that there's a lot of fans in your footprint that are looking at this and, and getting really angry or freaking out, like, you know, how dare the Pac-12 cancel games with BYU? Do you have to travel to Tucson now instead of the school that's 60 miles away? Look, it's all going to be moot, <laughs> I think, in about four or five weeks. Um, I, this, this is a, certainly a step of things to come. So then that would obviously impact Notre Dame as far as that goes. If there were to be games, what do you think Notre Dame would do? Yeah, there's, there's been multiple ACC administrators who have you know, told Pete reporters in their footprint that, look, if we're going conference only, we're going to incorporate Notre Dame. Um, the, the, the specific game that I think still floated by a couple of times is that Notre Dame would play Miami, Florida. Um, there are enough ACC schools that have lost out-of-conference opponents right now that they would just slot in Notre Dame. There's obviously broadcaster interest in doing that. Um, and that's one of the things that they're modeling right now. I don't know if they're going to come up with a, an ACC-specific schedule with Notre Dame before external events force them into something a little bit more drastic. But like the idea that Notre Dame's going to be stuck playing BYU and Liberty for 10 weeks in a, in a weird quarantine season, like that, that's simply not going to happen. The Athletic has a story out about some elite players, and there's uh, different stuff from different agents about how many elite players it might be, 10, 20, uh, maybe more than that, uh, skipping this season. They don't think it's going to happen. They know if they sign with an agent, uh, they get paid living expenses right away. And certainly if you're the top 10 or 20 players, you don't want to mess up your first-round draft status. Trevor Lawrence Probably couldn't mess up his first-round draft status unless there was a major injury. Uh, what do you think is going to happen with the elite players? Yeah, this, this is a fascinating question to watch over the next couple of months because this is, this is why you see such a variance in willingness to entertain spring football from Division One schools. You talk to schools in the MAC or, in, I think, in the Mountain West, you'll, you know, they'll tell you both on and off the record, hey, this is something we should seriously consider. Like This is way better than not playing football. But if you're Ohio State – if you're Alabama or Clemson, if the NFL doesn't move the date of their NFL draft, which does not look like it's going to happen, you could be missing a third or maybe even more of your starting lineup. They're simply not going to play. And I, what I've been told is it isn't just the surefire first or second round draft choices. It's you know, any blue chip recruit who has NFL draft eligibility coming out. Look, they've already got a bunch of film. Um, they don't want to risk an injury because an injury can knock them down multiple rounds. Um, so then, if you're an elite program, that might mean that you're suddenly starting a bunch of freshmen and redshirt freshmen, and it's not really super attractive. So, you know, as a college football fan, you might look at the spring and think this might be the most wide open season ever. Like, this is really your big chance for a non blue blood to kind of sneak in like a 1990 um, and make the playoff. But it's, uh, so much of that's going to depend on what 
all these schools legislatively decide to do. And yeah, if you're if you're in a weak program with a ton of NFL draft talent, you have a big interest in in not playing in the spring for this exact reason. I think a lot of people are not going to play. We saw this recruiting season in the spring that it was done virtually without any visits and without coaches flying all over the place. The financial ramifications obviously are significant if there's even a loss of one game. Do you think, have you heard anything as far as maybe changing these rules and going more to a cost-saving measure as far as recruiting goes? You know, that, that's interesting. There's been a couple of schools that were having this conversation even before Corona about trying to uh, handle travel a little bit more responsibly. Now, there's a reason a lot of these G5 schools try to do as much of their recruiting either you know, on campus or in-state at some of these camps so they don't have to fly to Florida every other week. But that is a, a significant expense. Um, I don't know if, we, if this whole thing can be done remotely, though. And it's, it's going to be really weird in the spring. You're going to have most of the junior college systems playing football in the spring. And, you know, I, I think for programs in this particular footprint who, re, who rely on JUCO systems or rely on kids that aren't four-star players by their sophomore year in high school, you really need that evaluation. You need to see them on tape lots of times. You probably need to see them on tape against something other than their local high school competition. And switching to a purely remote situation or mostly remote, I think is going to potentially take away scholarship opportunities for some of those kids. If you live in Dade County, uh, or you live in, in the Metroplex in, in Dallas, you're going to have a lot more opportunities to get that film, and maybe you don't necessarily have to go to every single camp uh, to, to, get, to get recruited. And maybe that's not really the case if you live in St. George or if you live in Idaho. Um, so that's, that's something I, I hope doesn't really come to fruition. There's going to be a lot of pretty draconian cost-saving um, measures that are going to go into place over the next year all over athletic departments, whether that's regional scheduling, whether that's dropping some Olympic sports, whether that's some pretty significant reductions in coaching and uh, coaching salaries and staff sizes, I think schools are going to want to do all of that stuff before doing things that they think will make it harder for them to recruit and compete. Matt Brown joining us. He writes for the intercollegiate.com Extra Points uh, newsletter. Lives in Chicago and Big Ten country, but is dropping St. George and Idaho knowledge. Good work, Matt. Very nice on the local geography. And you got... You know where all the truck stops are on I-15, clearly. You got this thing mapped out. I'm curious with all this, uh, with recruiting being so different, now now the number of transfers has been growing anyway, but is it about to go off yep. the charts for a couple reasons? One, some of the biggest schools are going to see that they missed on some kids, and uh, they've got some kids that they want to run off, basically. And some kids who are really good get overlooked and are at lower-level schools, and quite frankly, they want to play in some brighter lights and some bigger stadiums. So for, for those reasons, and maybe some others I'm missing, do you think we're about to see a massive wave of transfers when things get back to quote-unquote normal in, what, a year or two? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. In fact, I think you'd probably start to see that even earlier than that, right? Like, Ivy League's not playing fall sports, and they don't offer redshirt years. They don't offer graduate transfers. So if you've got eligibility left and you're about to graduate from Dartmouth, you're hitting that portal right now. And that's going to be, you know, I think there's a lot of really good FCS and even some SBS quality players in that league. I would expect the Patriot League and probably the Pioneer League to follow suit in the next couple of days. That's going to put some kids in the portal. Uh, but you're right, and I think this is, this is the phenomenon you're describing. I think is even more true, kind of the farther down the recruiting totem pole that you go. If you're a program that recruits heavily from JUCO ranks or from some of these developmental players, well, 
if you're a kid that suddenly has to do all the schooling online for an entire year and you were an academic risk beforehand that you're coming out of a JUCO, I think there's a, a higher chance that you're not going to be able to qualify um, academically for the NCAA because you're not going to have access to some of that same supplemental resources uh, that you had before. You're going to have a lot of misevaluations for people that don't have a, a lot of the same resources. And you're going to have a lot of people transferring for all kinds of reasons. People are going to want to stay closer to home. Uh, people are, are, are going to want to change positions. There's, there's going to be assistant coaching attrition all over the place. Yeah. And then you add all of that to the fact that NCAA administrators have been looking at liberalizing transfer rules generally over the last year. They're trying to go to Congress right now to get an antitrust exemption, and that might be something that Congress tells them they have to do. Like, you have to start letting kids transfer more freely if we're going to help you out of here. So I would not be shocked at all in the next you know, year or two. I don't want to say free agency because I think that has a bunch of negative connotations that don't make sense, but are you going to see even more kids across college football try to change schools? Yes, just like I would think that a lot of students generally are going to be wanting to change schools. Well, Matt, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us to talk a little college football. It's, it's my pleasure. There's, there's no shortage of things going on, fellas. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Matt Brown writes with the intercollegiate.com and Extra Points newsletter. For joining us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. All right, coming up, Ryan Abraham is going to join us, uscfootball.com, the podcast of champions. He'll be here at 8.30. We've got a couple topics going on our Facebook page, DJ and PK. We'll get to that. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Craig Bullerjack, knowing Mike's got to pick up some of the scoring that we're going to see missed by Boyan Bogdanovich, what does Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell on the court together look like in the return? Donovan needs the ball, Mike needs the ball, and Joe is going to bring the ball up the floor in different scenarios. The biggest key is that if Mike and Joe and Donovan all understand that in different scenarios they're going to be the, the guy, and then the other guys have to be able to continue to move, and when the shot open, they've got to hit it. You don't make up 20 points easy, right, with Bogey's uh, absence and a 41% three-point shooter. So Conley becomes even more important. I think this team's prepared, I really do, mentally and almost with a chip on their shoulder in a way is to come back as one. And that's what it's going to take to really go deep into the playoff. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. With a little extra time on your hands, it's time to talk about what we're doing to kill time. What did you watch last night with DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network? Too much time on my hands. Too much time on my PK. It was yes. a little weird, but I watched some golf. I watched some soccer. It wasn't a full day of sports viewing, but it was getting closer. Baseball's a couple weeks away. Basketball's three weeks, a little less than three weeks away. And uh, I got to admit, I was yelling at the TV, which I don't often do, but the PGA Tour, they had a playoff, and then that first hole, first a 50-foot putt, then a 24-foot putt, those two right on top of each other, I was hollering at my TV. It was good times. <laughs> Way to go. You see anything that entertained you? Because that entertained me. Well, that's that. those two putts that you speak of, of course. They were the highlight of the day. Uh, this youngster, uh, 
Morikawa. Old Morikawa, yeah, 23 years old uh, from La Cunada, which is over there just uh, by Pasadena off the 210 freeway there. And, uh, you know, he had that putt a couple weeks ago that Brian Taylor just referenced there during the break. And you wonder, is this kid going to take off? You know, we've been waiting for these guys, some of them, to take off. And, you know, McElroy and Spieth did. But uh, then they've kind of settled back into the pack a little bit. And so Justin Thomas seems like we're waiting for him to explode. Now he's had a good career, but he hasn't exploded, I think, the way maybe you thought. Now this is the latest to come along here. And, you know, he was a Pac-12 golfer and he was all that. Uh, for the Bears, and so what does that mean? I'm not sure, because we've seen this act before. Right now he's hot, you know, losing uh, in the playoff and then winning in the playoff a couple of weeks back, uh, later. So I was very impressed with him, uh, and that, that was that was fun. It was, a, it was a thrilling tournament. And then Tiger comes back next week, or this coming week, so that anytime he's out there, obviously that adds to the buzz, so we'll be able to follow that, but I thought that uh, my TV viewing, and I and I watched the same thing you did too. And my wife came in last night. You're watching soccer? I said, absolutely, I'm watching. It's live. Yeah, I got and a live so, sport. I got yeah. a live game. Don't get between There's me game and the on. TV. I'm watching. I said, it's two things. It's local and it's live. You know, I'm probably I'm not an MLS guy, but I try to watch RSL when I'm available and they're playing. And last night was obvious. It was easy. It was a no-brainer to do that because there was no conflict. There was nothing else going on, and it was the first match. You know, since uh, all the stuff and blah, blah, blah. So with that in mind, it was something that, yeah, I was going to watch no problem. I, I realized there was a game on before that. and I just don't, I don't really pay attention to the league. I'm not going to pretend I'm all that. Uh, but one of the things that really struck me that I watched Friday, and I purposely watched just to see what they would do. And that's Sports Center, and I rarely watch Sports Center anymore because I've got everything you can get on your phone. Plus, there's no highlights to be shown anyway now. But I watch Sports Center the hour-long edition. Uh, what's it come on? Nine o'clock our time. Uh, I was in California, so it would have been an hour earlier. Although they replay it, so it's two hours, but they replay it, and they had nothing, absolutely nothing, on the Wojnarowski story with the senator from Missouri. They completely and totally ignored it. And then I went back and I listened to PTI on my phone. They didn't have it. Journalism is askew. There's no such thing as journalism anymore. I don't trust any of it. This was a story. the, The most prominent NBA reporter, someone I've known personally for over 20 years, responding and nothing they don't they don't mention it in an hour long the whole thing it is a joke journalism is a joke now i'm sad to say it is if you missed it adrian wojanowski woge bombs and he breaks all the nba news he gets all the dirt from the league office and from people around the league yeah, and the Woj yeah. bomb became the Woj F bomb. He since apologized. Apparently, he's been suspended for a couple weeks without pay from some of the references I saw later in the weekend. Which I think is stupid, but nevertheless. You wouldn't really? Yeah, he, like these suspensions and all this crap. <laughs> How does that change anything? The fact is, ESPN has been hit with being left wing, left leaning, and then their guy. 
a guy who I know and I've respected greatly. I've spent time with him over the years, not in a while, but going back to when he worked in Fresno and I was with the Watchdog. Yes, I had dinner with him multiple times, all that stuff. Uh, and is a shill for the NBA. Why is he defending the NBA? Why isn't he reporting on the story? Why he comes off defending the league? Well, that's not journalism. That's not neutrality. That's not the way I was brought up in the business. And that's why I don't they, understand. And that's why they suspended him. Ah, the suspension, but it doesn't change anything. That's the point. The suspension does nothing. It just further enhances the reputation and the cause and the shots taken against it that they're left wing. I mean, Kurt Schilling got fired. Here, you're just suspending the guy. I mean, what is what here? I don't. I don't get it. This is this cancel culture stuff that they they talk about. I don't really get involved in that. But to me, I wouldn't have suspended him. I mean, what what does that change? Is it so he's going to come back and he'll never do that again? His political leanings are going to be neutral in the business. He's going to cover the NBA the way it deserves to be covered. I, I I don't care if you have all the trades twenty minutes before they happen. Or the draft picks. This is was a legitimate story, and that's how you didn't even cover it. And within two minutes, you fire back the ultimate obscenity. That's bad. It was bad. I think that's why they suspended him. They had. Okay, to I'm not going to get say, caught up in whether they suspended him or not. To say that was bad. Suspend them. Yeah. I don't care. Well, it that, was. My point is, I don't care. It was bad. Whether, right, but I don't care whether they suspended him or not. So I'm not going to argue whether they suspended him or not. That's not the point. The point is. Who do I trust? I don't know who to trust anymore. He should have been covering the story, not defending the league. He comes off as a shill for Adam Silver and anything he says. And now you got the China thing here, which has been an, an, an issue for years. Not years, well, since uh, well, months. it has been obviously months. a year. But the, the Moray yeah. tweet came out in the fall, right? Yeah. It was, in, was it October? Was that the month or September, whatever it, it was? Yeah, it was yeah. It was really early in the season. And I don't know if it was preseason or the start during the preseason. It was preseason, preseason it was when pre-season. they were over there playing games. Oh, that's right, because Correct. there were teams in China when yeah. it happened. Yeah, yeah right. it was preseason. Yeah. So, yeah. so that would have been October, yeah. I think. Uh, nevertheless, it doesn't matter. Uh, and so here, man, I, uh, this this is this is an outrageous story. And and ESPN ignores it in in a time where we don't even have that many highlights to show, hardly any. And they don't cover it; they just ignore it in an hour. And then PTI, they ignore it because it happened earlier in the day, and they could have discussed it on their show, and they didn't. ESPN, wow, man! Sounds I'm like an, I'm not. A, I'm not glad I'm not affiliated with them. Sounds like an order came down from on high. Of course, it must have. That's what. Uh, that's what it would be. But this. This is the state of journalism. It's. It's not trustworthy, and it's not. And I'm not picking sides. So don't come at me. I don't want to ruin your freaking day again. So I don't want to have to hear. <laughs> oh, you're this. You're that. Go look me up. You can look up my registration for political parties because you can find anybody's online. Go look it up, and you'll see it. I don't belong to any freaking party. So don't try to label me either left or right. I've got opinions like anybody else. Some of them are right. Some of them are left, if that's what you decide they are. I just They're mine. So be it. I'm entitled to them. 
agree, disagree, that's up to you. All right, we got a lot of reaction to this uh, topic coming up. It was on our Facebook page, DJ and PK. We will get to it next. Stay with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.